What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 His presence is just amazing. I love coming into his blessed presence. Just to remind everybody, our 15th year anniversary is in two weeks, September 17th. See you all then. If you have a tithe or an offering, put it in the offering box. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, we come into your presence this morning, ushered in, in song, feeling your presence fall in this place. Lord, it's all because of what your Son did on our cross that we can even be here, washed clean in your blood. your holy sanctuary. We just rejoice in your presence. It's such an honor to be with you. We give you all the glory because you truly deserve it. Lord, we are unworthy. We're unworthy to even tie your sandals. How precious you are, Lord, to each and every one of us. How many times you've saved each and every one of us from falling into the enemy's hands. Oh Lord, we're going to get our strength. We're going to go and take back what the enemy stole from us one day. That's our goal. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Today, we're going to talk about who are you? Who are you? Acts 19, 15 says this. And then the evil spirit answered and says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? The evil spirit should know your name. So if he doesn't, why not? I know he knows some of you because I'm aware of some of the spiritual attacks you've been through. And he would only do that if he knew your name. But one way we get started in him knowing our name comes from John 4.23 when it says the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. You have to be full of the spirit. You have to have the spirit all over you, within you, guiding you. Worshiping in truth. Holding nothing back in your heart. For God sees your heart anyway. So to think you can hide anything. But it's worship. You know, in Acts chapter 2, it says, And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But you think about this fire that dropped. It dropped from heaven. Why? It landed on the shoulders. Why? 
to burn away the impurities that we had, to cleanse us before we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then once we had that Holy Spirit, we could worship God. We could worship Jesus in spirit and in truth because we had the spirit within us. He gave it to us all. It's a Holy Spirit power that baptism is, is to endure believers with God's power. He equips us to have the ability to be God's witness and to be an effective witness. Not just somebody that goes out, but to be effective. Jesus tells us in John 14, he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. What does that mean? That means you've got to go out and do what Jesus did. You've got to do even more than what Jesus did. You've got to do greater things than Jesus did. Greater. How many of us have done that? How many? America's churches today have gotten weak. They sit around, they sing a few songs, they, they recite a, a scripture, they listen to a lecture and they go home. That's not what he's talking about. He wants you filled. He filled you with the Holy Spirit to do his work. You're the ones that have to heal the sick. You're the ones that got to raise the dead. You're the ones that got to cast out the demons. Matthew 4.23 And Jesus went about all of Galilee teaching in the synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses all kinds of diseases among the people. They just kept bringing them to him. Galilee, he was did so many miracles there. But he has instilled that power upon you. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's equipped you with what you need. Just sitting in here on a Sunday isn't going to do it. That's not what God's looking for. Now some of you, like I said, the devil knows your name. But others he does not. Luke 10, 19 said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all power over the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. We have to believe that. If we believe in Jesus Christ, you know, God still uses believers today to do the works of healing, to do the works of deliverance. He never stopped. I mean, sometimes the authority is delegated. You find somebody that has a gift of healing and he's being used as a vessel more than others. But 
God still has something for you. No matter what it is, we're always under God's authority. We're always under God's direction. How many times has God said to you, hey, go pray for that guy? And you just, nah, I don't think so. And walk away. A divine appointment was waiting for you right there. And you missed it. We have to, if this world is going to change, stand up and do what Jesus would have us do. Before the enemy just takes over. Today's text, we find this in Capernaum, which is in Galilee. And Jesus did a large number of his healings there. And the question becomes, why are so many healings in Galilee? Because the people believed. Because the people had faith. That's why you're going to get healed. Because you have faith in Jesus. Not the person that's praying over you. Not the person that's declaring the healing. But the power in Jesus Christ is what you believe in. So Matthew 8, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? And Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, this leper was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony. Now, I'm not going to get into the gift. You'll find it in Leviticus, exactly what it was to be. But the miracles Jesus performed attracted attention. got all the people. I mean, they probably went there from the common cold to leprosy and everything in between. Great multitudes. That's a lot of people. We want the great multitudes of heaven rejoicing with us. We want the great choir, the multitude of choir in heaven singing with us on Sundays. Jesus had the multitude of people following him. It says a leper came and worshipped him. Now in the ancient world, leprosy was terrible. It was a destructive disease. It still is in some parts of the world. But the ancient leper had no hope of improvement. So this leper came to Jesus with a great sense of need and desperation. How many times have we been desperate that Jesus was the only thing left? We tried everything else. We tried to do everything our way, but when we couldn't anymore, we called on Jesus out of pure desperation. And he was still there for us. He didn't say, oh, why didn't you call me first? No, he didn't say that at all. Leprosy might begin 
with the loss of sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks were affected, the muscles wasted away, tendons contracted until hands were like claws. There were follows, ulcerations of the hands and feet, sometimes progressive loss of fingers and toes until the end of the whole hand is gone or a foot may drop off. The duration, this is something I didn't know, duration of leprosy was anywhere from 20 to 30 years. Can you imagine how antagonizing that must have been? How terrible that progressive disease was? Knowing you're gonna die, just, you got 20 years of this, 30 years of this. Then I found these customs. A Jewish person was to say six feet away from a leper. And if the wind was at the leper's back blowing that way, you had to be 150 feet away. And the only thing worse than contacting a leper was touching a dead body. For all these reasons, the conditions of leprosy is a model of sin and its effect. It is contagious. It is a debilitating disease. It corrupts a victim. It corrupts your mind. It corrupts your heart. It corrupts everything about you. Sin just destroys you. But you can go to Jesus and ask him if he's willing. You know, they said the rabbis especially despised the lepers. They saw them as people under special judgment from God. In Jesus' time, they treated them so bad, it says, that sometimes when they saw a leper, they threw rocks at him. But nevertheless, the leper came to Jesus by itself, despite many discouragements. Nothing was going to keep him from Jesus. So let's look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. You have all power. You have all authority. Leprosy is the sin we deal with today. This man knew it was a problem. But he comes to you, trusting you, because he believes you have the authority as a Christian that Jesus has given you. He's believing that Christ is in you. And he wants you to cure him. He wants you to heal him. Do you do it or do you run away? Do you take or do you run away? This man knew his condition was hopeless. People gave up on him. What a hopeless thing to be trapped for 20 or 30 years knowing there's, there's no help, there's no end. Yet the sinner will come up to you 
and say, I need help. I need to be healed. I need to have my sins washed away. I need you to tell me about Jesus. I need you to have Jesus help me. Do you do it? Do you step out of your comfort zone and take the time with the man? Jesus spoke in John saying, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. This man had no promise, none whatsoever that Jesus would heal him. All he knows as he walks through the doors of this building is that in here it's supposed to be God-fearing, Bible-believing Christians who follow Jesus Christ. So he comes through that door. Does this sickness get healed? Does this hopelessness turn to hope? Do we cast out what's in him? Do we raise him from the spiritually dead? I mean, this, this guy had no idea what Christians were like. He had no example. He just heard a story. Somebody just told him, hey, down there at that church, they'll heal you. They'll make you better. Those people are godly. They won't judge you. They're just going to heal you. But today in America's churches, they come into church on Sunday morning. Like I said, they sing a few songs. They listen to a little message of inspiration. What they call 20-20-20 churches. 20 minutes of announcement. 20 minutes of worship, 20 minutes of inspiration. And out the door you go and down to the restaurant before the other church gets there. Make sure you get your seats. That's America's church today. But someone told him true believers, followers of Jesus Christ would help him. So here you are, the only person who can give the hopeless man hope. You're standing between the chains of bondage that is wrapped all over him and freedom. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You do one thing that the enemy's going to know your name. If you do the other, he'll never know your name. This man had no invitation from anyone. No one went out and invited him to church. I mean, it, it must have been hard. He must have been embarrassed. He must have felt the shame coming in alone. Head down. You've seen him. Depressed. Just ridden with the sin of 
of the world, the darkness that they live in. I know I've been there. I've been in darkness. I know what darkness is like. It's not a good place to be. When you come into a place where the people are a light of the world, they share that light with you. They lead you into it. I mean, this man comes into church, head down, hopeless, depressed, sits over in the corner, watches the service. He came for freedom. He came to find hope. He came to change himself from a sinner to a saint. And the minute the altar call was there, he feels a tug, he feels an urge. And he goes forth and he drops on his knees and he worships Jesus. You know, worship changes the atmosphere. Worship changes the atmosphere. If you're worshiping in spirit and truth, no matter where you are in this sanctuary, you're changing the atmosphere. You're bringing in more light, more light, more God. More spirit. So now, once again, your role as a disciple of Jesus comes to light the man. It comes with to you in all humility, leaving a request upon you. Will you help him? Or will you not? He respected the power of Jesus. Saying all he needed was the will of Jesus. And he would be healed. He worshipped Jesus with confidence that Jesus would make him whole, would make him healthy, would make him clean. He's relying on the authority Jesus has given you. And you acting on the power and the authority that Jesus gave you. Amen. Revelation 14.7 says, Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him. For the time has come when he will sit as a judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Worship him. I mean, you've all been places where people think worship is just singing. Singing is not even close to worship. But we use the term praise and worship. So that's where it comes from. Some people think worship is only a Sunday morning event. But that's more than that. It is a Sunday morning event. It is a place where people can meet and celebrate the Lord and honor him. But it's so much more than that. It's you waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning and getting down on your knees and praying to the Lord because that's what he asked you to do. 
the Jew that walks into the gas station, or the doctor's office, or the grocery store. And God tells you, go pray for that person. You need to do that. You need to honor what the Lord has asked you to do. Because he might only give you one chance. And the minute you reject it, you know you did wrong. But now it's too late. One dictionary describes worship as this, is to honor or revere as a supernatural being of power or a holy thing, to regard or approach with great respect, to adore with appropriate acts, rites, and ceremonies. Worship comes from your heart. And as Jesus lays something on you, to go pray for somebody, go touch somebody, call somebody. God may tell you one day, give so-and-so a call, they're hurting. You haven't talked to them in a while. Maybe you haven't talked to them in a long time. Maybe you got them blocked. Maybe you unfriended them on Facebook. But God says, talk to them. So you give a call. And you find out that you gave an encouraging word to somebody that was in bad shape. Somebody that needed to hear it. And you were able to encourage them. And give them hope. This is what we're all about. This is what we're willing to do. So he says to Jesus, if I will worship Jesus, he is willing. He says, Lord, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? So now Jesus has entrusted with you. Are you willing to be that vessel that he's using today to make someone clean, to heal somebody? to cast the demons out of somebody, to encourage somebody? Are you the one that will answer the call? So Jesus put his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing. And immediately the leper was cleansed. Would you put your hand out and say, I'm willing? I am willing. Matthew 7, 7 tells us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. But you've got to be there for them. So now you're doing the Lord's work. You said to him, yes, I'm willing. And you lead the man down to a path of salvation. He confesses his sins. He surrenders his life to Christ. He becomes a new creation in Christ. All because you're willing. Heal the sick. Cast out the demons. Set the captives free. I mean, this church is moving in a direction right now where the only thing we care about is the presence of God. 
We want God's presence 24-7, 365. We have to have it here. We can't exist without it. But as God's presence comes, so is his call upon our lives to go out and do what he has given us the power and the authority to do. We must do that. I mean, look at this. Exodus chapter 33. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that a pillar of a cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man at his own tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Wouldn't we love to come in here on a Sunday morning and find a cloud at the door? Cloud so thick you can't get through it. And God's voice is speaking to each and every one of you. Because you're all his children. You're all his workers. You're all his. He created each and every one of you. He created us all different. And he gave us all different callings. But we need to operate in what Jesus has given us. We need to do it. We need to do it. And this is the kind of relationship you want with God. You want to be able to talk to him as your friend. But unless you obey, he's not even going to visit you. If you're living in sin, he has no contact with you whatsoever. Because he sees no sin. He lives in no sin. If you're following what Christ is doing, then do what he called us to do. Be those disciples. Be the light of the world. Be all that Jesus would have you be. And that's the kind of relationship I'd like. One that draws us closer and closer to him. Psalm 100 says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that he is the Lord. He is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures for all generations. This is the God we serve. This is the God we bow down to. This is the God we work for. This is the God we carry the message of Jesus Christ and salvation for. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. 
There's no room for our pride. There's no room for our egos. There's no room for any of that. When we used to develop egos as, as little children playing baseball, you know, if you were a star, you hit a home run, all your, your head got bigger. If you struck out, your head got smaller. But with Jesus, he just says, come before me humbly. What's he tell us? Humble yourself before me. I will hear your, heal your lands. He will restore everything the enemy's taken from you. If you just get on your knees and worship him. And come to him hungry. The enemy wants to say, I don't know you. But Jesus wants the enemy to know your name. He has to know your name. Let's all stand.